Welcome back to Intentional Talk. I'm Lisa Kay. And I'm Taylor Cole Longacre. And we are continuing our conversation with Tracy Mitchell, author, internationally renowned speaker, and author of the newest book, Becoming Brave. I'd like to know, Tracy, what happened when creating, writing this book? Yeah, that's such a loaded question. Um, I contracted to write uh, Becoming Brave in early 2017, and um, I, I thought I had a handle on the topic. You know, sometimes you'll begin to work on a project, and you think, I've got this nailed down. You know, I've talked about this subject for a couple of decades. You know, I'd studied women and, and their lens throughout history and uh, scripture for decades, and I thought, I've got this. And so um, as soon as I contracted, it was about a week later that started a series of five tragedies in 28 days. And when I re- when I reference tragedies, I'm not talking about the flu. I'm not talking about things that you easily get over. But uh, one of those tragedies was my husband almost lost his leg. We had a close family member who there was a murder attempt on his life. And I mean, I could just walk you through all five, but they happened within 28 days um, and within a week of me signing to write this book. And so I literally had to lean in. I remember sitting on my back porch writing this book and another one and I was looking um, into two baby monitors one was of my newborn granddaughter and the other was my my husband who again we didn't know if he was going to be able to keep his leg or lose it due to an accident and I'm having to sit on the back porch looking in those baby monitors and and carving out my theory on becoming brave and so I had to take this really hard endoscopic look at my life and and ask myself the really hard question am I as brave as what I imagine or what I pretend to be. And I had to take a good evaluation of other women that I'd held in lofty esteem and had to look at their lives and say, are they as bold and courageous as what I ever imagined? So this was not an easy right. I mean, when I say, you know, it, it may sound superficial on the surface, brave, courage, all of those dynamics, but it's different if you're having to sit down and walk out those pages while you're crafting out the manuscript on that particular subject. Yeah. You think the devil might have been playing a little bit? <laughs> he could get there? blamed for a lot of things, but yeah, yeah I would probably file, file. The enemy of our soul works in yes. ways that we can never imagine. Um, and it's up to us in those positions. How do we flip that around? Do we give in to those assaults or those attacks, or do we actually use those for the betterment and for the benefit of what we're actually doing? And God can turn it around for our good. Yeah. And if we, if we just surrender it to him and let him work what only he can do, in those situations. And I love that you found that opportunity. Was the title already selected, Becoming Brave? Was that the title at the time? Yeah, I, th- I think it was, it was close. It may, I don't think the word, I think it was Be Brave and we evolved it into Becoming Brave. But the subtitle was in place. And so again, just, and, and the same thing happened when I wrote a previous book on rejection. You know, it's like whatever topic um, or assignment that you're given, know that you're going to be targeted in that assignment, but having the resolve that, you know what, I'm going to learn X exponentially more through having to walk this out than I would through just grabbing things in an ethereal way in my mind, but now having to put those feet to application and walk out the hard places. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Yes. 
the betrayal. That's one of those other things <laughs> with the enemy. Yes. But um, you're right. The betrayal is the number one tactic the enemy um, will use against us to steal our courage. Um, how, how does that work in your life? I know how it works in mine. Yes. <laughs> well, I think, you know, as I begin to ride out on being brave and being courageous, what things ebb away or chip away at our courage? And one of the things that most uh, resonated with that thought process was that the enemy will use severe acts of betrayal to chip away yes. at our courage. There's nothing like a close friend um, that will that will show their hand and, and show really who they are to strip away our courage. But more importantly, it derails us from our focus. You know, I, I, most of us have had more than one or two, um, you know, side swipes of betrayal, so to speak. And when we're in the middle of that betrayal, it is really hard to gain our focus or gain our gravity on what's in front of us. And so again, it's just the tactic of the enemy. How do I get their, their, how do I steal their creativity? How do I strip their focus? How do I pull away their clarity from what I'm calling them to do in those moments? And again, betrayal is one of the greatest tools that the enemy of our soul can use to um, cloudy our vision. Yeah. Add more fear. If it yes. Can. Yeah. So your book um, actually encourages women to work more together yeah. in a symbiosis way. Why? Yeah, I, I love that term. I uh, in, in one of my uh, speaking events, I used how um, in the Serengeti, how animals that are very different in nature, you know, you could take maybe the elephant and the zebra, put them together, and somehow they learned to travel together. They learned how to use the, the strength and the weakness of how they're wired, of how they're created to work together. And I thought, man, wouldn't that be awesome if women in our generation and culture could learn to play not to the weaknesses of each other, but to take and pull from the strengths of each other. And I think, I love this little story here. Um, uh, my friend Val and I went to the beach. Um, we had very different up, uh, upbringings and backgrounds. And uh, we were about seven and we went to the beach. And I remember it was the absolutely most perfect day that you can imagine. And everything went great until right after lunch that we began to build sandcastles. And I remember that we dug those moats deep. You know, we had these perfect little sand castles that were built and everything was fine until she leaned in and she asked her father which sand castle was the best and in a way that only a good father could do he began to explain that he liked them both in unique ways and he liked them both equally and then all of a sudden I saw Val's expression change slightly subtly but you know a seven-year-old can explain the emotional dynamics of a, of a friend but I noticed that everything from that moment changed and she took her hand and with one swoosh if you will she leveled both sandcastles and she made the statement who cares about sandcastles anyway mm. and I thought wow she needed internal validation more than what I could ever imagine. And I begin to think about that seven-year-old girls aren't the only ones who are willing to destroy what a sister is making if it means that they gain exclusive validation. I see women who are in their 40s, 60s, on up into their 80s that would rather destroy what they're both building than to see a sister get one more compliment. And so we have to take a long look at ourselves. And the question that, that I ask women that I mentor is this, are you opening as many doors for a sister as you want opened for yourselves? 
And until we can come face to face with that reality and honestly, gut level answer that question, are we opening as many doors for our sisters as we want open for ourselves and we will never be in the place to where we can move in our culture in a symbiotic way? Wow, that's very powerful. You know, and it's the sad thing that women go through that, um, that I see men, they're buddies and they're hunting and, oh, yeah, you caught the biggest fish or you yeah. got, you know, and they're celebrating each other and high fives. But for us, I don't understand how it is, how we can't be the same. And I do know for my generation, it was competitive. Yes. You get the trophy, you won, you're number one, you go for the gold rather than bring the team along and everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, I found out that our generation, and, um, and maybe those before us, we we fought over a slice of the pie, if you will. And now in our generation, we're fighting over who's going to be the owner of the pie company. And so we're in a very different place. We went from let's just fight over that little slice that society will leave us or, 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 or you know, hand out to us. And now with more women than ever being CEOs, leaders, execs, I think there are more CEO women now than there are in this yeah. country than yeah. men, yeah. which is amazing to me. But now we're fighting. Right. We went from fighting men to fighting each other. And my question is, at what point are we going to quit fighting and begin to actually live? Yes, yes. Well, Tracy, we want to keep talking about this. I, I definitely want to delve a little bit further into the dynamic of women and talk a bit more about how we work together. Because this is a great collaboration yeah. right here. Yes. I think we're doing a yes. good job at working together. But we will continue our conversation, our intentional yes. talk with Tracy Mitchell. Yes. Yes.